We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 38 of the pod. We got plenty to talk about today, Matt. It was National Championship Day. Um, I'm glad that you're just typing away, researching oh, yeah. in my ears. It shows me that That's you what I care do. about the craft, Matt. And it, it, it probably is really, really great that our listeners want to hear that sort of thing too. Um, Joe, if I had but, a dollar uh, for every time I heard you typing in the background, okay? Let's- yeah. It was. It's always mid podcast, and I just want. It's what, double confirmation is. What Sorry, I'm trying to. I'm trying to bring up a box score. I want to get my facts straight. Okay. Well, we we start this one off on an auspicious note, nonetheless. Here, Matt, but uh, let's dive right into the most recent recent storylines here. Uh, Alabama, your college football playoff national champion, the fifth time in the last nine years. Build another statue for Saban. It was a coaching clinic to have the gall to sit your starting quarterback and a couple other starters, throw in some freshmen and go out there and win a national championship. Um, I know we were texting a little bit throughout the game, Matt, early on. Oh, and we I were. Was, I was um, a little bit off-put by, by what I was seeing because a it was a boring off-put? game. A little bit off-put? A little bit off-put? Okay, it was a you boring ass Bills first Jaguars. half. You called Jaguars. It wasn't it a was boring Bills first half. It was not a boring first half. How come if there's not back-and-forth offenses high-flying that makes boring football, Joe? Because there was no big plays either. We were watching there two were some teams pretty un- big hits, and these defenses, these linebackers were flying the, around. The offensive pad, lines, defensive lines were flying around. So what? The defense the got the better popping, of those exchanges. The pad popping did not start until the second half. The I real pad popping. Because Go you on, like I, watching. Because you watch the game up front. No one. I else watch does. the game everywhere. I just. Other I don't than, need. I don't need a forty-five to forty finish for it to be an exciting game. I don't need. Nor do I. I don't nor need do thirty I, points two and a teams, half. Nor do I, but you don't want to watch two teams unsuccessfully run zone read at not zone read, but run zone or power at each other unsuccessfully. Give for me 30 the minutes. give me the end zone view. I didn't have it on last night because I had one TV, the main feed, the other. We had the uh, which I don't know if you had this on or, or flipped to it at all. The, the coaches' film room where they yeah, had the I watched, coaches. I watched the game. I hate all that side stuff. See, I, yeah. I actually I'm not a huge fan of a lot of it, but the the coaches' film room where they they had like it was it was Fitz, it was Mike Gundy, David Cutcliffe. They were basically they were breaking down plays basically in real time. You know, in they didn't yeah. really go to many commercials. They were rewinding, breaking stuff down, saying like, "Hey, here's where this went wrong." I had David Cutcliffe breaking down punt formations and why Papanastos was missing field goals because his plant foot was just a little bit off here. Today. It was it was <laughs> Joe. I could have watched it all night. That I might have enjoyed. I I accidentally flipped to wherever they had. Golic's son wearing a sweatshirt. Now oh, like, yeah. no, this is. That, 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 I'll, I'll like, take a pass on that one. Put the kid in a sw- put the kid in a sport coat at least. Like this is let's, uh, let's with show a little let's show a little respect to the to the event we're covering here. But no, like I was going to say, give me that. Give me the wide end zone view. The end zone view. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I, I will. I would that with the announcers on at some because I think last night their feed didn't have any announcing. They just had the sky cam and like stadium noise, which was, uh-huh. I think, stupid, but let me watch that. Let me watch what's going on up front, and I'll see the result of the play later, because that stuff is fascinating. Yeah, yeah I, I think that those different camera angles, stuff like that, are there's a place for that, because you don't, you never want to get the, the production to become stale. That's another way to keep fans you know, locked in, having different things. I think there is a gray area in there where you start 
getting a little too niche, but you go find what you want. And that, that's, that's what made it really interesting in, in how ESPN broadcast the game last night. I did find myself majority of the time on the main broadcast, but Matt, if, if it was such a entertaining first half, then why did Nick Saban go into the locker room and put in a freshman in the second Just because half? Just like it, it was, it, it, it was not entertaining a half need, of football. Entertaining and needing a change are two different things. They needed a spark because Georgia's defense was playing so well. So you enjoy sparkless offense. I enjoy back. I don't. I know. I, I don't mind defensive struggles, Joe. It's the same thing when I'm watching a playoff hockey game. I don't want to see a back and forth six to five finish. I'd much rather see two goalies duel each other out and somebody win three to two in overtime. I, that, that, yeah, it, but but hockey is hockey's a sport where the intensity and and the sway of momentum is built in, especially same playoff thing, hockey. Okay, that's an same. empty. That's an empty comparison. I, I don't. Football, it's, it's football, the same thing as it is in sport. I don't mind defensive play. struggles. Baseball. Yeah, I don't momentum, mind seeing pitchers duels in the playoffs. Momentum can't be built in a second in baseball. Baseball very similar to football, but if you're going to make the hockey comparison, momentum can change and be built in a second. It doesn't have to be a scoring play or a big play. Football, you need those plays to make it interesting. In my eyes, like Jalen Hurts reeled off a 50 yard run on the first play of some drive. I thought that was a pretty exciting play, and then George defense batting down had, the hatches and, and held. You had that, and you had the turnover that turned into a missed field goal early on. Those were the two plays by Alabama in the first half. That was it. Okay, Georgia had some plays. Georgia, had, did, Georgia had one chunk offensive play. My point being is that Nick Saban went into the locker room and put in essentially the JV squad and went out to win a national championship. Not only that, and I know he wasn't thinking about the, the palatability, the enjoyment of the game, but the game became... 15 times more enjoyment when you had a dual-threat quarterback in there, a kid who can actually create, a kid who can actually throw the football. I won't, made disa- the game, game I won't disagree. A hundred the, times more interesting. I'm not going to disagree that the second half wasn't more entertaining. I'd be an idiot not to. I'm just saying I still think that first half, you went as far as to compare it to, you know, to Bill's Jaguars to me where we had two inept quarterbacks. I don't think that was really the case. I think it was a, a much Okay, you had one inept quarterback. Jalen Hurts was absolutely an Jalen Hurts did not look good. I'm, I will absolutely give you that. I still think it was an entertaining half of football. That's okay. I mean, I guess that's my point. I don't I'll think let it you, was, I'm, I'll I wasn't let you an die on that classic sword, half. Man. I will die on that sword, Joe. I will absolutely die. I've never watched a half of football I haven't liked, other than the Bears doing a lot of bad All things of to me. But yeah, you know, they have a lot of entertaining halves. Okay, but Matt, you got to be truthful here because sure. I know my answer. Sure. Prior to yesterday, had you ever heard the name Tua Tagovailoa? Uh, yes, only because I had watched some Alabama games and kind of seen him coming in, you know, later in, in garbage uh-huh. time, mop-up time. If, if not, I would not have known who he was. I was, I mean, my biggest takeaway from the kid, not only, not just being an 18-year-old with the poise in the moment, but his footwork, it was outstanding. Now, he, he was scrambling and getting out of the pocket, but it wasn't, it didn't seem wild Johnny football-esque. It was a three-step or a five-step feet were going to, through his reads and then if there was nothing there he was out like it, it wasn't it wasn't drawn up in the sand type scrambles uh, aside from the one but even in that in that situation when he got that key first down i believe it was in the third quarter uh when he scrambled out to the right he and then came to back right left. there and then yeah he was getting right but sack. still stood in his pocket mm-hmm. went through his reads and then escaped the pocket he he was it, there was a lot of maturity in 
execution and in just his mental approach to the game from an 18-year-old kid there. It was, it was really fun to see. I was actually, now that you're talking about his footwork in the pocket, all this stuff, I was going to say the same thing about Jake Fromm. I, I know Jake Fromm is He looked really good, I know too. he's basically a sophomore now. You played, you know, this is 14th game or whatever it is, yeah. 15th game. But there are a couple times where I was I was watching the game with Rob here, and we're basically saying, like, look at, look at his feet under pressure. He's got Alabama, yeah. you know, defensive, you know, 350-pound defensive lineman coming straight at him. He's keeping cool in the pocket. Feet aren't, you're not getting happy feet. He's staying in the pocket, able to move, you know, side to side very you know, easily and efficiently. Both of those quarterbacks were true freshmen under pressure in the biggest stage. Well, obviously, too, is a little bit more impressive because he hadn't really played a meaningful down mm-hmm. in over a year. But we're going to be treated for, for yeah. at least two more years, probably just the two with both of these guys would be my guess. But you know, two more years, a pretty elite quarterback plan. I'm, I'm hoping this isn't the final time we've seen these two go head-to-head, and I don't think it is. I think you're probably looking at your SEC championship matchup likely the next two years, given the, the amount of young talent that we just saw go at it on the, the, the biggest stage. Yeah, and not to get ahead of ourselves, but you might be looking at two future Heisman Award winners there. From very possible. From was making throws that you see at the next level. He was throwing the ball to space, throwing the throwing guys open. So you got to give credit where credit's due on that side of the ball. But I think in the second half, Georgia. I don't know if the, I want to say they. The, the thing for me in the second half, if you don't they, mind, they didn't pack it in, but they took their foot off the gas a little bit in the third quarter, and you could sense that momentum change. For me in the second half, and I, I said this a couple times during the game, it was a little bit odd to me, and then got not. It it didn't. It kept growing on me, kept bothering me as the game went on in, in that second half. Sony Michelle had an awesome first half. I don't know the the exact splits, but he was the more efficient runner in the first half. He was finding holes a little bit better. He he finished the game with 14 carries for 98 yards. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because you know Nick Chubb had been there for you know maybe I think it was a year longer. He'd, he'd been kind of their guy for, for a little bit longer. But Nick Chubb was the one who started carrying the, the load of the carries there in the second half down the stretch. And he just had himself an awful game. I don't know if it wasn't really seeing much. I don't know if it was just coincidence that he wasn't getting certain blocks. Michelle was. But he finished there with 18 carries, 25 yards. And I thought even in the first half he was slow to get going. And then they'd, they'd hand the ball to Sony Michelle. Michelle had that unbelievable run in the first half down the sidelines. Remember on third and 20 where he kind of tight roped it for a good five, six yards mm-hmm. and was able to stay in bounds. And they kind of went away from that, and that was the one thing in the second half where, like, not like you said, packed it. I know Chubb's more of their thunder, you know, to to Michelle's lightning. So maybe they thought, give it to our bigger back. Let's try and pound it in between the tackles, and you know, pick up three and a half yards, three and a half, or three and a half yards. But I, I didn't like that they got away from the thing that had gotten there, gotten them there, which was mixing in both of those running backs instead of just kind of settling with Chubb in the second half. Yeah, it was uh, it was strength versus. Strength versus strength in the first half, and it got you not a stalemate, a little advantage to Georgia, but you had one coach who completely threw away the game plan and one coach who stuck with the game plan, and you see how that worked out. kind of worked for both. I mean, not necessarily worked for Georgia, but it got them both to overtime. Yeah, it got them to overtime. and um, Who scored it? 13-0? Yeah, 13-0 at half. 13-0 okay. at half, and a, a decided two-point advantage going yeah. into the half, which you need going into the half against an Alabama team that's never just going to lay down. Yeah. But two different coaching approaches in the second half. One, throw out the game plan, put in the gunslinger freshman, and let's get this thing done. Works out. And the other one, stick to the game plan, maybe go even a little bit more conservative, and uh, it, it didn't work out in the end. You, you had to feel for our boy Papa Nastos, uh, a tough moment there for the kid. That's going to be an awkward... Who's Who's, who gets the more awkward national championship ring? 
Hertz or Papanastos? Who's uh, more I, awkward for, for, to put for me? Right it's now? Papanastos. I mean, Hertz. Okay. Hertz. I know. I know. He got pulled at halftime, but Hertz he at least still, got him to still that played point. two quarters. He he did yeah. get him to that point. He's got yeah. what, one loss or two losses, and however I think in, it's two in, in two career. years 20, is twenty six and two. Or, you know, yeah, I could like live that. with being pulled at halftime and being twenty six and two as a sophomore. Like, oh, you know what? I I probably earned that national championship ring. The Hazel Rock that would be hard to sleep with. I'd be all right. With Papanastos there with the the. I mean that kicked it. I think it was actually David Cutcliffe on the film room who who said it to who was breaking actually down the missed kick and all that stuff. Basically said along he's comparing it to a to a golf swing. So like, you know when, when you're up off the tee there and you get a little bit too jacked up and you really try to crank on what happens usually is like you usually pull it and even, you know, you you hook it pretty badly off you know, a, a hook pull and that's exactly what popping out. exactly that's that's what happens to me Joe I do that a lot on the golf course. Plant foot opens you know up, hips plant, go mm-hmm. left. You're you get then, it. Now we're looking for our ball in the woods. Mm-hmm. Papanastos. Now I've become pretty it. good at recovering from my ball in the woods. I've actually mastered a lot of those recovery shots, but it's, uh, it'd be much easier to play from the fairway, Joe. A lot, lot of practice over there in the trees. I'm with you, Matter. But it was a great game nonetheless. And I mean, I'm just going to keep beating the, the two a drum here. For him to see a disguised coverage, look off a of safety after just taking a 20 yard sack uh, and throw a kid, throw an absolute dart to another freshman. Just showed maturity, skill, everything you want to see in a quarterback. Uh, I know it's been a decade of dominance, nearly a decade for Alabama. Looks like, like you said, at least two more years of that. Yeah, it was, it's it's not going anywhere. Alabama was, you know, at every single offensive player seemed to be making a play, saying, "Oh, another true freshman," all that stuff. And I, Saban, I think Saban, not that he needed any more recruiting tools, but last night I think might have been one of his his best in the future going forward here. He can actually back up his pitch. He can explain and, and have references, basically, when he says and goes into people's living room, not that he's doing that much as his coach is going to people's living rooms. He can tell me, you know, best player's going to play. I don't care who you are. If you give us the best chance to win a football game, you're going to have a chance to play. And he yeah. can strictly point to that national championship game and say, I pulled a quarterback who was 25-1, and 25-2, whatever the hell it was, for a true freshman who never played a meaningful snap, and then we went out and won a national championship. And that true freshman was thrown to other true freshmen. I put in a true freshman running back over my experienced running back. I had a true freshman receiver making more plays than my top 10 draft pick. He, he, he's got that in his back pocket now, too, if, and if he needed any more help recruiting over there in Alabama. Yeah, it, uh, it was fun to watch, and I'd be hard-pressed to think that Nick Saban wasn't on the bus last night or on the plane this morning drawn up a package with Hertz and Tua both in the backfield. They're going to find a way to make it work. Both of these you, guys are still going to continue to get reps. I don't You think I, he's I see, staying around? Where's he going? I don't I know. See, I but, see a dual I see a dual threat situation next year in Alabama because there's not a there's not a spot in the 276 or however many draft picks there are for Jalen Hurts. Well, he's he can't, he's not even eligible to go to the draft. He's oh, uh, a he's, he's a true oh, you think he's no, I'm leaving. leaving. Okay. He's going to go. I didn't know. I, did, I thought he was. Yeah, because he was a true freshman last year. Yeah, when they so were he, the, yeah. yeah, he was not a redshirt freshman. He was a true freshman. And he's um, he's he can go somewhere and still have another year. I'm not. I'm, he might decide he to stick around. it out. And, and you see how quickly things can change. And I guess Nick Saban's offense. If the quarterback's not getting the job, then he's not afraid to make that change. But if Jalen Hurts wants to play, I know next year if he transfers, he wouldn't likely be able to but if he wants to have a chance to start and he sees a true freshman's just jump me and this true freshman's pretty damn good yeah um might not have much of another choice we're in such an era of transferring when it's not going your way transferring when the spot gets taken that it wouldn't surprise me Mm -hmm. i don't like it i think that um i think that 
Alabama will be fine without Jalen Hurts. They will be just fine. They'll have a backup that'll be the next Tua. And yep. that's just, just the way things works. I mean, it was a it was a game between two bordering teams in the SEC decided by a kid from Honolulu. So Alabama's going to make it work one way or the other. I think other. they'll be just fine. Yeah. Uh, Matt, looking at the college football final AP rankings here, uh, just coming down moments ago, uh, Alabama comes in at number one, 57 first place votes, previously ranked number four. Uh, two, three, four goes Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson. I think you got it right there. And then instead of putting undefeated UCF at number five, they bump them to six. Ohio State sits at five at 12 and two. Undefeated UCF coming in at number six with six first place votes. The only other team receiving first place Were votes. Were you one of those votes, Joe? I was not. And no. there were so many articles written by a couple beat writers here in Nebraska that maybe want to vomit yesterday. They should be the national champ. No, they should be they, they should be, be AP number one regardless of what happens tonight. You put UCF on the field with either of those two ball clubs and it turns into a boat race. I, I know we said the same thing about Auburn, but after watching that game, watching the last two games from both of those teams, I, I don't... Yeah. I don't see. I, does UCF have to serve a shot to play one of them? I mean, Ooh. obviously not this year because all Hawaiian but, quarterback game between UCF and uh, Alabama. That'd be a good is time. UCF's quarterback Hawaiian? Miles also Hawaiian. Miles, yeah. whatever his yeah. name is, something yeah. other. Miles. Some, I don't Miles, his name. Miles. Um, some of the name. Yeah. Some, it's it's it's, uh, it's M squared. We'll just call him M squared. Yeah. yeah I didn't. I did not know he was a Hawaiian kid. Yeah, he's Hawaiian as well. Uh, but then coming in the bottom half of the top 10 there's wisconsin penn state tcu auburn nd sitting at 11 irish that's a great irish thing. that's that's pretty much where where they've been for the last few years though aside from last year oh yeah it's, it's what they do they have some epic meltdown to take them out of the playoff yeah. race but then they still finish strong and be like oh look they finished 11 they're still good but looking at it right here matt Sorry, we have you can hear the bitterness in my voice northwestern michigan state penn state wisconsin ohio state Five Big Ten teams in the top 25. Five Big Ten teams in the top 20, actually. So a good showing from the Big Ten. Again, we talked about it last week, but the depth of talent in the Big Ten, always impressive. The elite talent still lies in the SEC, in my opinion, Matt. It's not only just in the SEC, but it really kind of seems like with with these two teams the next two, three years going forward, Georgia has the top recruiting class this year. Um, I, I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon i know they're losing a fantastic senior class so maybe next year might take somewhat of a slight step back but i I don't think their program's going anywhere i think kirby smart is an elite head coach at this level showed he's an elite recruiter so yeah this isn't the last week like i was saying earlier this isn't the last we've seen of these two and probably not the last we've seen of them playing each other for something very important now, now, Matt, don't get me wrong here. I always think that the NFL product on field is better than the college product, but sometimes I find myself enjoying the national championship more than I do the Super Bowl because it's more about the game, less about the spectacle. I'll agree last, with you there. And last night we had the game, and there was a little spectacle about it too, starting with President Trump walking in during the national anthem, making his grand entrance. Then you had an Alabama player taking a swing at a coach on the sideline. Then making had, a tackle like two minutes later on the kickoff. You had a making a tackle. You had a Georgia player collapsing on the sideline. There were so many other angles for the non-football fan to be interested in here for this game. 
And I don't think it took away from the on-field product like I think it does sometimes in the Super Bowl. No, I can agree with you. I mean, in the Super Bowl, it's almost like they're for, they're trying to force other storylines, as, as a lot of times sometimes people will do going into big broadcasts like that to get yeah. them other talking points and all that stuff. But so in the Super Bowl, it seems like it's a little bit forced at times, and they want to try and talk about so many other things. Whereas last night, it was just kind of organic. It all just seemed to fall into place and happen pretty well. Yeah. We don't get too political on this podcast. We try we, to steer clear of those things. But won. Matt, do you think that yesterday was planned by Trump? Do you think that he he had planned in advance, or do you think he was like sitting on his couch yesterday eating cheese doodles, and he just said, "I want to go to the game," and like they made they got him like a sideline pass? Do you think I'm, this was the last second? I, I actually believe I saw earlier in the week or like late last oh, okay, week that he that was, was going I had, to be. Uh, I, had, I, I had heard that he was going to be there. Yeah, I hadn't read anything. That's what made me believe, yeah. led me to believe that this might have been just like a let's go, let's go watch some football or something like that. Like, no, I believe uh, uh, I believe it was planned. And if there's a, a place that he's got a chance to not get completely, you know, booed out of a building these days, it, it's probably somewhere in the uh, in the south. Yeah, sometimes when you when you you're watching it on TV and you just hear a roar, you don't know what's a boo, what's a cheer, and apparently there were a smattering of both. Is what I've read. Not um, surprised. That's that sounds about right. Yep, and that is uh, that's what makes our country beautiful. Differing opinions, and we're going to move on from politics right now. Matt, uh, plenty plenty more to talk about. We could talk yesterday's national championship until our heads fall off. It was a great game. But One more biggest- thing before we move on from that. I, this is a very small, minor observation. I just wanted, okay. kind of wanted to get – I thought it was interesting because obviously we have now the, the whole story Saban's 12-0 and 0 against former assistants. Mm-hmm. I think like we both said, though, we think Kirby's a little bit different and probably has the, is, has the best chance to be the one to knock him off at some point. Um, the, differences, like the difference in how each coaching staff interacts and acts on the sidelines to me since Kirby, I mean, Kirby was a, a Saban disciple there for eight years – but it seems now that he's got the head job, he lets emotion creep into his sideline and his staff and stuff so much. Have you noticed that at all? I don't know if you saw it. Like, he's on there the were, field going nuts at sideline. They got like a sideline warning. They got there the were sideline two sideline warnings and they interference. Had, yeah. They had like, there's, there's, you know, they go back to replays of big touchdowns and they'll have cameras on the sidelines. You'll see coaches going nuts, like running off the field and all that stuff. I just, it, it, it's interesting to me that Kirby, I don't necessarily think Kirby didn't like it over. At Alabama, obviously, he loved it and stayed there for a long time until he got his dream job. But it seems like he's just completely opened things and kind of made it the exact opposite on his yeah. sideline. I, that's just an observation. It's not saying anything about either coach or anyways right or wrong. I just found that kind of interesting. When it's not your decision, when it's not your final call, when you're not the head guy, there's certain things that you have to fall in line with. But when it is your show, you get to inject a little bit of your own personality, a little bit of your own belief. And if you've been under a rule, if you will, that uh, maybe suppresses those things in the past. It might lead to a little knee-jerk the other way and have you getting a little too riled up on the sidelines, letting things go a little too loose. But uh, like you said, different coaches do it different ways, and I think that you saw two coaches with two different philosophies that ended up in in the big game last night, in the final game. They were the final two coaches, and it just goes to show that either of those approaches can work as long as you get the players to play on the field. There you go. Now we can move on to the beloved. Pretty, pretty concise thought there. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the beloved, as you call them, Matt. Uh, the Bears find their guy, Matt Maggie. Am I saying that right? Maggie. Maggie. Matt Maggie. I'm gonna have to. So I guess the question is, Joe, is it, is it 2019 or 2020? 
Matt, 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 Matt. I, I, I want to be so positive Let's about give, this. We can give him a year to get his be, feet wet. No, and I'll, I'll, give probably, him, I'll give him two, three we'll years. Give, because we'll give all him a year before. Asked, we'll probably win the division next year. Uh, all maybe that go I 12 asked. and 4. But you see these younger quarterbacks, a lot of times their first playoff you know, experience get upset by you know maybe a team that sneaks in that's been there before. 2018 will probably go 12 and 4, get the bye, losing the divisional. But I think 19, if we're not NFC champions, he might have to get fired. I'm all about being positive about this move. I'm all about giving this guy our support. I am not for stupidity in expectation. Bears are back, Joe. I know. I know you were saying those things in jest a little bit, at least, but a lot of people... It's like 50-50. Part of me kind of believes it. A lot of people feel that way, and I don't know how people feel that way because they know nothing about this guy. Probably hadn't heard his name until five, six days ago. So... With that being said, let's do a little pro-con here on Matt Nagy. What do you like about this Bears hire? So I, I like that from all the, re- the reports I've read, heard on the radio, whatever, he is the not the first one, not, not that anybody's spoken out or it's leaked that anybody doesn't like Trubisky, but it became very clear that he likes Trubisky a lot, thinks that he can yeah. win with Trubisky very it, highly. I, I, I like that. Um, I, I like that he runs you know, a lot of spread-type, you know, shotgun-type offenses, which I think – um, suit Mitch better than what the Bears are trying. The hybrid pro, let's try and spread him out, even though we don't know how to do that. Offense, Dow Loggins was running. Yeah. Um, but the the one thing that I like and I, I think is, is going to be very beneficial for the offense going forward is his ability to take players like Tyreek Hill, DeAnthony Thomas, who might not be the most skilled of receivers and turn them in, but they're you know explosive. They're, they're smaller, but they, they can outrun anybody. They're explosive players, and he can maximize that potential. And I'm not trying to say Tariq Cohen is going to be Tyreek Hill. That's the last thing I'm trying to say. But I like that this guy has experience working with those types of guys, maximizing their potential, and finding ways to utilize them in an offense other than, hey, let's pitch this to him, or hey, let's try and hit him on a slant over the middle and see what happens, because that's really yeah. about all Dow Loggins knew how to do with Tariq Cohen. So I think that's going to utilize that fourth-round pick. We saw his potential last year in a very limited offense where he was getting very vanilla limited carries. Mm-hmm. I, I like that about him as well, Matt, and the first thing I do when a team makes a hire that I know nothing about is, or that I have some knowledge about, is yeah. you go to that place you go read something by someone in Kansas City. You go get the pulse of what was and what they feel about him, what they think about him. For example, when Bob Diaco was hired as the defensive coordinator to make this Nebraska-esque here, a little bit mm-hmm. Nebraska-centric, I went and looked and saw what people thought. At UConn, very, very questionable things being said. And at Notre Dame, a mixed bag of, of opinions on Diaco. We, we ended up seeing why, not only on-field but off-field. When it comes to Nagy, you go to Kansas City, you read the Kansas City Star, their other papers, everyone is high on him. Everyone loves him. They, they think the players love him. They loved him as a coordinator. They think that he has a ceiling as a head coach. So that's very encouraging mm-hmm. to me is that people who have spent time with him think highly of him, which is very, very important. Other pros in my mind, my only ask was that they hire an offensive-minded coach. We definitely got that. Mm-hmm. He's creative. He's young. He's an offensive-minded coach with an arena, arena league background. You could call that a pro or a con because it doesn't really fit into this mold, but whatever you want to call it. But he's a 39-year-old. He's well under the average age of an NFL head coach. It shows that they have long-term hopes for him probably, and he can relate to players still at this point. And I think that's very important. You saw that in L.A. this season, how that can end up working out. He's also quarterback-minded. He, he's worked with quarterbacks in the past that have similar skill sets to Mitch Trubisky. 
We're talking about McNabs, we're talking about Vicks, and we're talking about Alex Smiths. Now, obviously, Vic being on the running end of that mm-hmm. spectrum, but when you're talking about all three of those guys, it's guys with awesome arms who have the ability to get out of the pocket and create. I think Mitch Trubisky can be that, and we can see that under a guy like this, and that, that's very exciting for me. Yeah, and he's coming from a great coaching tree. The Andy Reid coaching tree has is seemingly produced, like you know, third, success after NFL, success after. Yeah, it's it's it seems like just about everybody who comes out of there ends up being, if not a massive success, a pretty decent success at their head coaching job wherever they end up going. So he, yeah. he's coming from the right place. It's not like we got this new up and comer from the CFL or, or whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, was last time it, they went and they went out and actually seems like Ryan Pace did his research was actually allowed to make his hire this time and uh, went out and got the guy he wanted so yeah. I I don't know a ton about him I'm, I'm not I haven't seen a ton of Chiefs football I've seen a good amount um, but we'll find out once they once they get going and get going on the field and whatever it is August but yeah it seems like a good hire at the time and uh, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of all we can say about it now I don't think anybody knows for sure until we uh actually get on the field here and, and see what they got. Yeah, a lot of Chiefs fans here in Lincoln, and just from what he did in the last month and a half when he was given the keys to the car and kind of switched up the way they were approaching the game, yeah. you saw Kareem Hunt's production stay pat, but I think his touches went down a little bit. They started airing out a little more. Excuse me. You're good. Um, but uh, I, I hope that that balance attack, creative attack, is something that he brings to Chicago with him. We got to go a little blue on it, Matt. What do you not like about this hire? I ha- I haven't found anything I I don't like yet simply because it, I live in Chicago and it's in, yeah. in sports talk radio and all that stuff. Pretty it's all much very everybody, positive. Oh, right they're, now. It's, they're all going to be pretty positive. I think everybody seems to like this hire and all that. I mean, he is he is young. He's really only been an offensive coordinator. I think for what since Doug Peterson left in KC. I think it was when he took over. Yeah, but um, Andy Reid was calling the plays all season. So Andy Reid was calling all the plays all season until. They, he, he, he turned them over after that, you know, during that whatever game losing streak they were on, yeah. and the offense kind of took off again once Nagy took over. So small he had, sample he size. He it's a small sample size. He doesn't have a full, full year, but he's had some success in that full year. And just because you're not calling the plays doesn't mean you're not heavily influenced in what's being called, and yeah. you're not heavily influenced in what's going on. I mean, we played at Wesleyan where I think Norm had final say over the play calling, but I think Billy Dickens had a pretty yeah. heavy influence on what was being called there. Yeah, the the small sample size was my biggest worry as well, and to go an even smaller sample size, his offense choked in the second half of the game this weekend. They did, absolutely. Essentially the second biggest choke I've ever seen other than the Super Bowl last year. What were they up, 20-3? 28-3. Oh, no, 28. I'm sorry, the Super Bowl was 20-3. No, 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 yeah, Super, yeah, yeah, it was 20-3, uh, was was, something like the 21-3, I think. Yeah, yeah. Twenty two, twenty one was the final, and we're not talking about playing the Patriots. You were playing Marcus Mariota and the Titans, so uh, that was. Not hey, Marcus Mariota is good enough to throw a touchdown to himself. Hawaiian quarterbacks are a theme this week on the pod, man. Yeah, I was I'm actually. Re- I'm really liking this. Brought up Mar- Mariota and Tua went to the same high school. Same high school, and yeah. I believe it was after Mariota won the Heisman. Uh, Tom Rinaldi was talking. Some one of those guys was talking last night. They asked him, you know, who's who's the next one? Is there any any coming from you know Hawaii or you know where around where you are? He. Mariota said, you know, we got this kid too who's going to I think it's St. Louis High School where That's they crazy. Like, this kid's gonna be this kid's gonna be an absolute star. So that awesome. was actually pretty interesting. But back to the pros, Joe. Yeah. Um, it, it is what it is at this point. Hopefully the the locker room and Hallis Hall rallies around this guy because we've said it in the past, Bears fans deserve to see a winning team. 
a team, a playoff team, they deserve, I, we deserve a championship, but is it ever going to happen? I can't even say the words. So I, I just want, I just want to see a guy. I just want to see a guy put the Bears in the best position to win. Now that we have the guy, it's the front office's job to get the guy the pieces he can coach. Mm-hmm. Because this isn't a complete roster yet. This is not a playoff roster. This isn't a championship roster by any stretch of the imagination. So the job's not done. It's just one box checked off for this front office. My other big worry is everywhere you are reading, oh, he shined in the interview. He was great in the interview. People loved him in the interview. I hope that he didn't sell Phillips and Pace on his interview acumen because we don't need someone to shine in an interview. We need someone to shine on the sideline during practice and during games. That's what you need out of a head coach. I don't that I agree with you. But could sit down and sell on an interview. I agree with you, but it's hard to get any job, not only, not head coaching any job in the world, if you don't have yeah. a pretty good interview because you're not the only one going for that. That's, uh, but that's, this is, I don't want to say this one caught me off guard because the name was was always out there. It was always one of you know, the fourth or fifth you know candidates you know that people are saying could be hired and all that. But it seemed like over the weekend that all signs were pointing towards John D. Filippo. There were even some, I don't know some of the Bears beats right beat writers around here. I'm not sure which which one off the top of my head was saying. Oh, looks like D. Filippo would be able to retain Fangio if he comes here. Like stuff like that was already yeah. starting to slip out. So it seemed like it was just about any day it was going to be him. And not that I'm. I would have preferred him or or Nagy over him, whatever. But I, I am a little bit relieved that we do have someone with some play calling experience, someone with some offensive coordinator experience too. Not not that a quarterback coach can't come in and do the job, but you're sometimes you might get afraid that taking that next jump without kind of having the intermediate step there might be a little bit too much, a little bit overwhelming there in in the first few years, which are going to make or break pretty much your coaching tenure. Yeah. Do you, Do you think that? Fangio gets retained in this situation. They're going to try. It, it, it's, yeah. I think it's. I think it's in his court. If he wants to be back, he can be back. I don't think the Bears are going to let anybody out bid uh, bid them for him, especially the Green Bay Packers. Um, it, it makes sense for them to want to bring him back. He's done pretty good things with a fairly talented defense and one that's still. It's not like they're they're on the back nine of their career. It's a, it's a defense that's still pretty young and has a lot of room to grow. The main all the main pieces pretty much are, are in their twenties. Um, so it's not like they're they're going to have much overhaul or change on that side of the ball. They might just get a couple nice additions. I, I, I'm not sure what unless he wants out, unless he doesn't want to be in Chicago anymore, has a problem with Ryan Pace. I know he, him and Fox didn't get along all that well, so that might have been why it was rumored he was ready to move on. But if, if he's good with Matt Nagy, I would very much like him here because he's done more with less on that side of the ball than just about anybody has. Yeah, I think that it, it would be solid for them to try and keep him, and I know they're going to, but in all of my experience with football and football teams, defensive guys are a lot more emotional with their connection to their coaches than offensive guys. Not to say that I didn't love a bunch of my coaches and hold them in the highest regard, but again, to bring it back to Nebraska here, defensive guys were walking out saying, keep John Perella, the defensive line mm-hmm. coach, keep coach, uh, keep coach Bray. Like they were, they're, they were so much more attached emotionally and could could almost turn off when things go differently or when, when another coach is brought in. Yeah. I think that that could be dangerous to this defense depending on how emotionally they are attacked to Vic Fangio. Yeah, so this it, it's it's going to be a very important hire because this defense has made so much progress over the last, you know, since Mel Tucker left um, under Vic Fangio. These last three years, I think we've seen them take positive steps just about every single year. And they're close to making that, taking that next step to getting them, you know, I, I would say firmly planted in the top 10 NFL 
uh, defenses. And a step back would obviously be, be very not good, especially, you know, Matt Nagy coming in here needing the, the defense to kind of do what they've been doing in order to get his offense back where it needs to be. Yeah. I guess not back where it needs to be because it's never really been there, but where it needs but to be. Back to where it's never been. <laughs> yes, exactly. Perfect. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Sure. Matt, it was, uh, it was an exciting week weekend to be a, to be a Bears fan. They, they hire a new coach, but it was not the best weekend to be a football fan uh, at the professional level. What did, what did you make of these games? Because it was kind of a snooze fest start to finish. See, uh, I'm aside, gonna, aside from that Panthers game in there, that was that, that was, was great down game. the stretch. There was no drama. There was no the Panther. Oh, the Panther. Uh, you're talking about the other games. Yes, aside. Okay, from I was going to say there's. I was going to say there's plenty of drama. No, that was that game. was great drama. Yeah, um, it wasn't. There was some drama in the Bills Jaguars game down there towards the end uh, when when yeah, Tyrod took that nasty look and his head got slammed pretty hard there against the ground. Right. Um, there was some drama when Nate Peterman came in. You thought there was the, the smallest, slightest chance that he was going to lead the Bills to a game-tying touchdown, mm-hmm. which would have been the most perfect way Ridiculous. to end up, to, yeah. perfect way to extend a Bills-Jaguars game. Um, I, I still liked it. I still enjoyed watching it. The drama wasn't quite there, but I think you tend to see that on wild-card weekends. And while yeah. the games might not have been great, I, I still th- – I mean, Chiefs – titans it wasn't a great football game but there was plenty of drama i mean i think we saw sean mcdonough go absolutely nuts over a fumble where a guy was clearly down and say he was in, you know in the end zone and all that i thought yeah. that was weird but i the, the games themselves weren't great i actually thought atlanta's uh, los angeles is pretty entertaining even big, though yeah, the score that was, wasn't that close i thought you saw two pretty good football teams going cool at to it. see the coliseum filled up like that too that was yeah and the rams spectacle. are the rams will be back there um yeah. that, that's that's what you kind of see sometimes a young and experienced quarterback in his first playoff game it was a tough matchup for him, but I was still fine with the games. It's wild card weekend. You're going to have a couple clunkers here and there, but at the end of the day, Joe, I've said it once. I'll say it a hundred times. Football is still football. That's that's a good point, Matt, and uh, I think we're we're in store for some good football this upcoming weekend as well. Not to dive too deep into the situation because I don't want to have this conversation right now, but sure. I understand there are diff- varying levels of head trauma. Are there varying levels of stardom that you then have to throw into the equation of head trauma? Because why is Cam Newton allowed to stay in a game and Tyrod Taylor is not? And I know Tyrod Taylor was knocked out essentially unconscious and it's the end of the game. You've got to at least evaluate him. He's going to be out. I don't think he would have been brought back in. Cam took a good lick too. Are you talking about towards the end of the game where he had like the eye thing? People were saying yeah. his eye, he had an injured eye. Um, yeah. That that's Cam has always seemed to have a different set of rules yeah. um, since he came into the league. Well, sometimes benefiting him, I guess. I don't know if last night that you want to call benefiting him because he was allowed to come back in the game with a possible head injury. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of the way he runs the football, it, he, he's always just kind of had a different. Re, refs have treated him more like a running back, and I think you see running backs get a little bit more different positions outside the quarterback position in the in the concussion protocol and the way they're. You know, given calls on the field, I, I think you just see them handled a little bit differently. And for whatever reason, it, he should be treated like a quarterback, but in the eyes of officials, refs, whatever, he seems to be treated more like a position player. And I, I, I don't like the way that the concussion protocol is handled. I, I think they do a pretty poor job uh, getting people in this tent with a, a doctor for you know what seems like ten seconds, and they're let out back to ready to go. But I, I'm with you. It's, it seemed weird that he had a head injury, eye injury, whatever you want to call it, and was just kind of said, oh, you're fine. You're good. Yeah. It, uh, it, it worries me to see 
him treated differently because he's now, I think, on the back nine of his career. And oftentimes you can see that back nine get cut short and go a lot quicker when it is a player who plays the way like he does. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to watch tend to Cam see those backslides kick in a little bit quicker. I'd like to watch Cam Newton play football for, for many more years. And I think Cam Newton would like to play football longer than I'd even like to watch him because he's, a, he's an ultimate competitor and you mm-hmm. got to protect those guys. So even when they don't want to be protected, um, but yeah, wild card round behind us, Matt, we got some great matchups. Uh, you get Tom and Ben back in the fold. That's always good for ratings and that's always good for the product. Uh, excited to watch that AFC side now in the NFC again, a toss up my pick in the new Orleans saints looking like, looking like the hot team right now. Uh, it should be a good one. I, I don't think, so the matchups, correct me if I'm wrong here, it's New Orleans, Minnesota. Yes. And then on the other side, you have Philadelphia and Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta is actually not terribly surprised because Wentz is out. How much fun, Atlanta's favored in that game. How much fun would an Atlanta, an Atlanta-New Orleans matchup in the NFC Championship be? I would love I that. I would that love rival- That rivalry, just add another chapter to that rivalry, I think that would be great stuff. I think that would be it would be a really fun game to watch. Those two played two really pretty close competitive games this year. I didn't watch the second one, but that one on Thursday night football was an absolutely fantastic game. Um, And like you said, it's a great rivalry and those rivalry games in, in those conference championships usually tend out to work out to be the best. And are we saying Pittsburgh, New England, Reddit and Sharpie? I'm not so sold yet on Pittsburgh. I kind of want to see which team shows up. I I know we've seen flashes of them being the best team in the NFL. Bear down. But but bear down. We also, (laughs) Joe, we also saw the team that lost 30 to nine to Jacksonville earlier this year. And they're still playing, they're still playing without their middle linebacker, uh, who's the, you know, the captain of that defense. I'm not saying I do, I'm I'm still going to pick them, uh, but I, I don't be, I wouldn't be surprised if a team like Jacksonville is able to go in there and run the football well enough against the defense that it is is a little bit banged up and score just enough and, and keep rushing the passer yeah. like they have all year. If they can get to the, Ben, they get after they get the him under pressure. They, they don't need defense. to. They don't need to bring five to get to Ben. They can rush their yeah. four and then kind of go to work with that. So th- yeah. that's a game that I think is going to be a little more competitive than people think. I still think Pittsburgh wins if I you know had to put my life on it, but yeah. I think that'll be a fun one to watch. We are down to single-digit football games to watch, Matt. So Stop enjoy it. them all. Stop regardless it. Regardless of where they play them, Stop when it. they play them. Stop it. You Stop sit it. down and you enjoy them, Matt. Stop it. Hit us with a grievance. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Well, Joe, you uh, you actually got into my grievance there. Uh, my, my, my grievance is, it's it's like, it's over. Just like, just like that, Joe. We, it <laughs> seems like yesterday we, you and I were all giddy on a Monday morning or whatever, the Thursday morning, whatever the hell it was, recording a football preview special, and I was putting together audio clips for an all football music intro, and we were we were ready, and it was you know it was early September, or whatever the heck it was, and and we the, it seemed like we had everything in front of us, Joe. Our whole future was right there, and now it's at the end. I'm not going to see a college. My, by the time there's a college football game. My roommate will have moved to Europe and moved back. <laughs> Think about that. By the time, by the next time I see somebody a, a college football game 
on my TV screen, someone who I know very well will have moved to Europe, coached a football season, and moved back to America. Oh, no. I can't wait that long. <laughs> Joe, That's we have, long. what, six NFL, seven NFL games left? Yeah. I need, uh, give me the XFL back. Let's do that. There's rumors of that. Let's get that going. Let's make that a spring season. I need year-round football. You need, you need to start I it just, up. Not only to have it start back up, but start it up quick. I texted uh, texted a friend last night. It was seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, and I was just, I was very distraught. like, what's up? I was like, we have seven minutes and ten seconds left, and then it's, it's all over. over. And then it's, it's all, all over. over. And little I know, did you know. Little did I know I had a little bit of overtime, which was, yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Pointing up to the sky on that one. Thank you. Um, point. Bonus football. I, I know all college football tends to do is rip my heart out from the team that I root for, but at the same time, Joe, I'd much rather have that heart ripped out than not feel at all. And I yeah. need college football. In my, it's gone. And the NFL is going to be gone. What do I, I – I can't watch basketball. The Hawks are not as good this year. College, but the NBA stinks until the NBA Finals. It's almost college award basketball. Season. It's cares? almost award season, Matt. You watch a lot of movies. I don't watch it. movies. You okay, know that well, I haven't Godfather, seen the Godfather, and it's going to be on Netflix. So again, you have no excuse. And yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get around to sad, it. Sad, sad man. We'll get. But uh, I'm sorry. It's just it's the grievance is more with myself. Okay. That I can't. Also, with you for not liking bad football, I, that that's a grievance of mine. Um, as you can see, Joe, I'm, I'm in a I'm in a bad place right now. I'm in a, a place. A I'm in a, existential funk. It's I'm fine. in a place where football's almost gone, and I don't know what to do with my hands. Matt, don't cry because it's over. Laugh and smile because it happened. It's, All right, it's, and you still got you still got some of the best games. Uh, in my opinion, uh, championship weekend, NFC, AFC championships. Oh, they're that, great football that's, games. That's the best weekend. The worst weekend is the week between. Oh, but, uh, it gives you a look uh, into what's your what you're you know headed for two weeks from now. Yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> well, it's like this well, is we'll this be, is what I'm ready for. This is what I'm preparing myself for. Golf Over and out. Uh, there is golf, golf starts. Uh, you know, right. Sundays okay. on the couch. Okay, with the okay. smooth stylings of Jim Nance. Yeah. Tiger's going to be uh, playing a Tory. There so, you go. Okay, you know we got we got Dub- some stuff to look forward to. Tiger's going to win a major this year, at least one. Okay, doubling can, back. Uh, it's not the same, doubling, but okay. <laughs> doubling back to here, you were not the only one that tuned in last night, Matt. Uh, the rating overnight. Imagine, yeah. was, the rating overnight was a sixteen point seven. It was the second highest rated national championship in the history. Of uh, the college football playoff, or no, in the history of college football, yeah. What was the highest? The highest was in eighteen point eight, the two thousand fifteen championship between Ohio State and Oregon. Okay, wow, so that was I, I not, would not have guessed that. Yeah, yeah the, that, that was, was uh, actually that was the first that was the first playoff, one. Though. That was the first one. That's why. Okay, yeah. that would make sense then. Yeah, yeah. So we just kind of debunked that real quick, broke that down. Matt, uh, I feel your grievance, and I'll be there for you. You call me whenever you need me. But right now, let's it's a different type bu- of grievance. It was a sad grievance instead of <laughs> let's uh, let's kick things back up. Let's do a little buy or sell. Okay, why don't you start us off? I'm a little distraught here. I got to remember what my questions are. It's a whole thing. Go All ahead. right, Matt. Well, very simply put, buy or sell. The Chicago Cubs find a way to bring back Jake Arrieta. Uh, I'm going to sell that because I do think in the end, it, the report last week was Cubs Cardinals were the two teams, but they're kind of dead set on no more than four years. Um, I, I think the Cubs would rather bring in you, Darvish, uh, from from what I've heard, read, you know, talked to people about. I, I think that's more likely, and I, I do think someone like the Cardinals to keep Arietta away from the Cubs would jump up to that. I, eventually, I think they'd break and go on that fifth year. I think somebody's going to break and, and give him that fifth year, um, and I don't think it's going to be the Cubs, and rightfully so. I don't think the Cubs should overpay for him on, on years or money because. 
while it might not work out for them this year, if they, they come up empty-handed, they'll figure out a way to go ahead and get an arm to replace Jake. So I, it doesn't make sense for me for the Cubs to overpay for Jake, so I'm going to sell it. And if that be the case, it sounds like he is headed not too far from here, and he will spend plenty afternoons in Wrigley Field. Join his just, good buddy uh, Dexter. Just donned, donned in red, which would be kind of odd to see. But that that is, be that's been that's been par for the course lately between these two ball clubs. They they like to deal back room and try and hose one another. And mm-hmm. we've I seen the last two off seasons, right? Hayward two years ago, and then Fowler this year. So maybe an shock. A- Maybe an aging Arietta is the only way to pay them back for an just awful, awful Hayward. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. Silver linings, Matt. Silver linings. All right. Uh, <laughs> Monday was the first day the Bulls were able to trade Nico Miritich. Uh, mm-hmm. Bulls are kind of the, the whole, hey, let's let's see what we got here this year is, is finally starting to die. I think they've lost you know four in a row, I think five or six, something like that. Um Report is the Utah Jazz, and there's a mutual interest there. I don't really know why. Um, but buy or sell, Nico Miritich is no longer a Chicago Bull by the end of January. Um, I'm gonna. I'd love to buy it, but I'm gonna sell it, knowing this front office. And uh, I think that he is a Bull at the end of January, and I think that they hang on to him too long, and I think that he becomes just another bench piece for the Bulls. Because if you can't draw something for him, they're gonna stand pat and say. We need more, we need this, we need that, we need a pick, we need a, a prospect that they can't get, that that Nico isn't going to garner, mm-hmm. because I think a couple weeks ago, Nico's stock was a little inflated, and we're seeing that bubble pop a little bit right yeah. now. So I think that just knowing this front office, he is a bull. I'm hoping he's not, because if you're going to rebuild, go all in. And um, yeah, I, I just think that, I think that they don't pull the trigger, and if they... And the triggers that they have pulled in the past haven't been the right ones. So my faith uh, still wavers in, in the Gar Pax area. I, so I'm going I'm to sell it. I think I'm with you too. Um, the, the one thing, the, the Utah thing just makes no sense to me because I think what, if you're the Bulls, you, your asking price is likely a first-round pick back because if, if they're only going to throw you a second-round pick, you might as well just hold on to Nico and Hang see what he might there. turn into. You're never, that's not fair value. And Utah stinks, so their first-round pick is going to be a lottery pick, and he's not worth a lottery pick. We know that. Yeah. Um, I, I still think eventually here you see a team like Houston scoop in and go for him. They are very openly all-in on trying to beat the Warriors, and the way you can beat Warriors, the Warriors is, is out-shooting them. Um, and, and Nico's a guy that might be able to go over there and provide some some three-point help off the bench, which they don't really have much of. So I think eventually you you see that move happen, and the Bulls can get their late first-round pick and, and kind of call that. I don't know if it's going to happen by the end of January, but I think I, eventually I really think you'll see him gone. I really think it's buyer beware, too, because that's similar to what Oklahoma City did in trying to get McDermott, mm-hmm. and he said on uh, Nico's, uh, Nico is better than Doug McDermott. Let's, I, I'm going to – I don't like Nico. And I wanted Doug McDermott to be very good. Doug McDermott was awful. Fair enough. I he mean, was I, awful. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> see Nico's. I don't see. I don't see it in Nico very much either. I, I don't see him being the guy who goes shot for shot with Steph. No, but I, well, I what, what they need. No, what that. Houston wants though is is a guy. Who, he's not going to be a, a guy who's playing meaningful minutes. In, stretch in the, the West floor, open they up want, the floor. They want a guy in their second unit who can come off the bench, stretch the yeah. floor, and open it up, and, and make their inside guys come out and play. And, yeah. and I, I think that's what Nico might be able to provide. He's, he's not. I'm not trying to say by any means he should go to Houston or uh, Boston. I think it was the other team who might need some bench help that needs a starter and, and, and play there and play a big role. I'm talking about like. 
18 minutes, 15 minutes off the bench and kind of being that spot-up shooter from the outside for the second unit. Yep. That's hopefully, what I'm Hopefully it can work for all parties and the Bulls can snag a first-rounder because if you're going to build, you need as many of those and as many chances to swing and miss as, uh, as this front office can have. All right. My turn for you? It's my turn? Uh, no, I yes. just asked you. It's your turn. I just you just asked, asked me? Yeah. So I asked you. Yeah. All right, buy or sell, Matt. Dustin Johnson wins every start this season. <laughs> well, it's it's a sell because Tiger's winning the Masters. That's, that's fair. And, and we're already fitting him for the green jacket. Um, <laughs> but no, that some of the some of the stuff he was doing this weekend. I know I didn't watch a ton of it, but I, I you know, keeping up with it on Twitter, read a little bit about it, talked to you about it. He in nearly acing a par four, a four hundred plus yard par four is just. They literally did that in an unrealistic movie called Happy, you know, in Happy Gilmore. They, they made fun of it because it's so unrealistic, and then Dustin just went out and nearly did it. You're the hole in one of, you're the, hole in one of the par four guy. It's stupid how good he, how, how far he can hit the ball. Yeah, it, uh, I, I watched a little bit of it and obviously saw the highlights. And DJ, uh, he looks like he's approaching the only way you beat me is if I'm off type mm-hmm. air. And I know... We've wanted to label the new tiger. I haven't wanted to, but tigers. Back, I don't. So we don't. I don't to. think. Uh, I don't think we've seen anyone with the ceiling and ability to dominate this way since Tiger. I think that his physical gifts put him far and beyond any other player on tour. I know we were getting high on Spieth a couple years ago. Last year, Justin Thomas was the flavor of the year. Jason Day in there. Players who have that ability to dominate. I don't think any of them, when they are dominating, look like Dustin Johnson does. That's the thing that with Dustin. Like we, we said the same thing pretty much. Maybe not this early last year, but he got off that great start last year. We, we basically said the same thing last year. And yeah. he got off that historic start, and I forgot how many in a row he won or whatever. I forgot exactly what he did, but... He had that historic start and was you know, the clear favorite going into Augusta and then uh, it slipped because he was wearing socks on a, on a wood floor because that's, <laughs> that's what happened. Um, uh, I and, by him. and then he wasn't you know, the same the rest of the way. So I, I, I don't know if that had something to do with it. I don't know if his game just fell off a little bit. But I, I'm, I agree with you that he has the, the more skill and talent than anybody else around, but I, I still haven't seen him put it all together yet. He's been going for a while now. So until he does that, I, I can't really say I think he's going to be the next guy to take the mantle because he's had that chance three or four times now, and he's had these and, starts a couple times too, and just never really does it. And I don't think he'll take the mantle because of I agree because of his volatility, whether it be you know between the ears or in his game. He does when he goes bad, he goes bad. But his good is better than anyone else. His great, agree. his to, his top end is far and beyond anyone else's top end. So totally if he can agree. find a way to stay in that space, I think he'll be hard to beat. Fair enough. Uh, do you have another one for me? I do. Um, buy or sell the college football championship trophy is the worst in major sports. I'm selling that so hard. Because, can I ask what you like about it? Okay. If, if I'm going to go comparatively, the worst trophy in professionals in, in all sports is the World Series trophy. It just looks know. it just looks fragile. Like you can't it drink out fragile. of it. I'll give you can't that. drink out of it and it looks fragile. So those are two damning You can't drink out of the college on, football trophy. That's the damning note on the college that's the only <laughs> drawback for me on the college football trophies that you can't drink out of it. I think it's a really cool looking piece of hardware. It comes out of that piece. I like a I like a trophy that breaks into two, like the original, the BCS National Championship trophy. The crystal ball came off of the stand. Mm-hmm. This one in the same way comes out of its stand. 
it, it looks it, it looks very regal. Like it, it, it's it looks it, good in people's hands. It looks good passed around. I like it as a trophy. It's kissable. It's very kissable. It, well, all, um, all trophies are kissable, Joe. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, but, I, uh, I, I we we talked about this before when we were on the phone. I, I went a little harder at it than I probably should have. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's not. It, it, it for me, it's towards the bottom of of, of the major trophies, just gorgeous. because I, I think what we got it. I, I think they made it. I think it's a little bit too big. I don't like how you know really long it is. It looks a little bit clunky to me. It looks kind of like a traffic cone held upside down. But I think for me, the biggest thing is I love that crystal football so much. I thought that was like, besides the Stanley Cup, I thought that was like the most iconic yeah. trophy to hold up. That 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 shot of Nick Saban or whoever won the, that year holding up that crystal, you know, the crystal football trophy. That I thought that was stuff. just. I thought that was the coolest tradition, you know, a, a trophy in, in in sports, pretty much. And I the, seeing that go away, that hurt, hurt me a yeah. little bit. And I think that's why I've always had a skewed view of this new one because it was never going to live up to the hype. And it's like you're not, you're not my real trophy. You're just some yeah. fake one. You know, you know. I don't know. It was Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. But I, it, you just got me thinking that I wonder if it was a conscious decision by the college football playoff committee to have their own trophy, or if the BCS committee said, this is ours. You can't have it. That's what you, uh, or, or I, I do wonder both. that. You know, I wonder where, where the, where the redesign happened, but, I, but for what it is, I, I enjoy the trophy. So I'm going to sell that. Okay. All right, Matt. Well, uh, I think that, do we have a mail or we're going to do a little mailbag archive. Here. We're going to reach back in the archives. We're going to reach um, back. We, we had a question earlier this year, um, Saying which was the the worst, more stupid trend, the uh, running over people with the golf carts, which we both agreed on was was worse, or um, Bill's Mafia jumping through the tables. Uh-huh. And I, I got to be honest with you, Joe, after seeing what I've, I've seen on Instagram, I know we said the other one was worse, but we both kind of went after the, the jumping through the table stuff. I, I love it so much. I can't get enough of people jumping through tables. <laughs> I'm never going to jump through a table. It's not going to be me, but... The, the Instagram post, Twitter, you know, the tweets, the Facebook post, whatever. The, the, I can't get enough of Bills fans jumping through tables, being so psyched up. And then the fails of the other fan bases trying to jump through tables. I just yeah, leave it to the mafia. I want more of it. The, the, the way that these people were there, there were, uh, somebody was tweeting out a picture of a, a airline luggage carrier um, holding on to a, a Bills Mafia table that was checked, like he was taking it out of the plane. Somebody actually checked a painted Bills Mafia folding table. The rules in Jacksonville saying if you're not a Florida resident, you can't buy you can't buy our folding tables. And if you are a Florida resident, you can only buy one this weekend. Like I think it's awesome. And, and People it's are protecting just, themselves from they the are. mafia. It's just jumping yeah. through tables and I love it. And I, the, the flames where I probably stop things. Let's let's That's not get fire involved into it. it. But let's yeah. jump through tables. Let's not throw two people through the same one because maybe one hits earlier and it moves and you hit your head on the concrete. Yeah, probably not a good idea. But jump through tables. It's fine. It's not hurting anybody. I, I, uh, I agree with you there, Matt. I, I, I have warmed up to it as well. Not so much for the act of jumping through the tables, but for it's what the, the Bills fan base represents. A little bit of crazy, a little bit of wild, and the rabid support of their team through some tough times and this year through maybe the best season they've seen in a long time. So yeah. kudos to the mafia and all their broken tables. Where, uh, where, when a table's broken, where does the table go? Is there like a pile of... I would guess either there, just... Well, you can't just leave it there because you're still trying to tailgate and then it's kind of in the middle. I, table table recycling uh, might, might have a business there. Yeah. Maybe Bills we, uh, mafia table recycling. Maybe we should move to Buffalo and start that, Joe. Uh, I'll pass. Yeah, same. Matt... 
that's going to do it for episode 38 of the pod. Thank you, as always, for sitting down with me, talking a little college football, talking a little Bears football. Exciting stuff coming down the stretch here in the NFL as we kiss the college football season goodbye. Matt, I apologize. Uh, you got anything else for the people before we say goodbye? Well, you never answered my question, Joe. Is it, is it 2019 or 2020? Uh, 2022, 2022, 2022, 2022, 2022, 2022, 2022, What we saw last night was the picture of coaching at the highest level. And Nick Saban once again proving why he walks past the statue of himself at work every single day. Um, usually those things happen posthumously. And uh, I know I just said that word incorrectly, but there's a reason why this man is heralded and held in the light that he is. We're in an era now where when someone has sustained success over a decade, over a long period of time, they become the enemy for some reason. They become the bad guy. And it always harkens back ideas in my head of the Yankees and their dominance through the early 2000s. I always loved the Yankees. I love to see dominance at the highest level. And we again get to see Alabama come through different teams, different ways, same coach. He has found a way to win national championships so many different ways with different groups of guys that I think we need to step back and once again applaud Nick Saban for the job that he does at Alabama. He's not the enemy. He's a picture of what it is to do things right, of what it is to find success, however you have to find it. And instead of poo-pooing it or, or, or making it the enemy and going negative on it, I think you need to step back, take a look at greatness and be happy that we're getting to witness a guy affect young men with this sort of productiveness, with this sort of regularity, year after year, he's there, he's doing it, and I think it deserves our full applause and our attention for as long that it lasts. Matt, that's all I got, and that's going to do it for the Moose and Runes podcast, this episode 38 of the pod. Thank you for listening, as always. We hope you enjoyed. As always, jump on iTunes, throw us a review, uh, like us, share us, subscribe, do whatever you got to do. We appreciate you guys, and we will see you next week for episode 39. Matt, I will be coming at you from a different location, so buckle up for Moose and, Roots, Moose and Roots California style. All right. Talk to you later, buddy. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.